The behaviors God calls us to are not the basis of our membership. Instead, they're the manifestation of our relationship with Him. As we begin to reorient our lives around following Jesus, we will see these realities demonstrating themselves as the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There will be a natural giving up of what we cherish and love and prioritize over Jesus. There will be a desire to extend greater amounts of grace to those both inside and outside of our tribes. In this week's sermon, Grant preached on Luke 15, 1-10, where Jesus talks about the far reaches of God's grace even to outsiders. Today, we'll be discussing questions around these verses and more. Stay tuned. From Glen Ellen Bible Church, I'm Matt Marone. I'm Beth Moss. And I'm Grant Armstrong. And this is episode 189 of The Next Level. I know you remain the same Even in, even in my wonder. Good morning. Good morning. It is dun, morning dun, dun. today. Yeah. <laughs> I like doing the podcast in the morning. I do too. I'm not as clear thinking, but <laughs> but it's it's my mind is catching up to the point where it will be clear thinking, mm-hmm. and so it feels like it's moving processing. With faster. every sip of coffee you take, That's is that what's happening? <laughs> well, on, by Monday afternoon, your day's kind of cluttered, like all the things that piled up over the weekend and mm-hmm. planning for the next week. It's hard for me to plan yeah. like Monday afternoons to really get into new stuff or review the weekend kind of pass it at that point Mm -hmm. so today looks different for the podcast in case you didn't hear in the intro we've got got some key players away today and we got the a team today yeah we had to sub those guys out they were they were dragging a little bit (laughs) so today it is we have grant armstrong who preached on sunday he's our growth and groups pastor and uh we have beth and we have myself Mm -hmm. and that is it so when the cat's away yeah yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I had to make some calls over the weekend, and people were like, wow, John and Kelly leave, and you're just like taking over. Yeah. <laughs> Shot caller. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, man. I came so. in, and Grant was like, it was so easy. What did John and Kelly even yeah, do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are those guys Actually, getting paid the for opposite. This? He was like, wow, they do a lot. <laughs> yeah, truthfully, I, I was telling Beth right before we started, um, you know, it's great when you get to, when people are gone and you kind of sub in for their roles and stuff, you just, you realize how much and how, how many details both John and Kelly really um, handle on a Sunday morning to make make sure things run smoothly. And yeah. we had uh, just one hiccup during the check-in process yesterday, and it was one of, uh, something John and I talked about, but I totally spaced. You know, your mind's just, like, trying to manage all the stuff. So newfound respect for both those guys and all the things they're doing to make sure we have a great Sunday experience. Yeah. yeah. Did you do what Kelly typically does on Sunday? So Kelly comes in around five in the morning and does push-ups on the platform just to psych himself out. Yeah, yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, you know, I I felt like I just wanted to repeat that. I added some burpees in there. So (laughs) And the fifty mile run. Right, yeah, of course. Well, that's a little more aspirational at this point. I'm a couple years out probably. But But you're working on the hair, so Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, I actually I got a what like a a gif or gif, however you um, refer to it. And uh, some that someone sent me of of Wayne uh, or Garth, um, excuse me, Garth from from that, and he was like, "I hope your dreams come true." <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. So I don't want to assume anything with people who are listening in now. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family? Yeah. You know what you do here, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm married to Laura. Most people. Honestly, probably know Laura better than they know me. She's really social, and um, people love her. I joked when I got hired that, like, if they met Laura, they'd want to hire her instead of me. Um, <laughs> and I still think that's probably true. But, um, yeah, so I've got a wife, Laura, and two boys, uh, Tucker and Cooper. 
five and two. Um, and they were running around yesterday at, during second service or at the start of it. Some people might have noticed because Cooper just charged right in here, like as things were getting going and <laughs> yelled for his mom, who was helping me with ushering stuff. Um, so he's, he's really loud. But uh, yeah, we've been here. We're, I just started my fifth year at the church, which feels like it's gone way faster. In some ways, I, I still feel brand new at all this stuff. But um, growth and groups pastor, that's kind of easier to find as adult ministries, discipleship stuff is, is what I typically handle. But as of the last couple of years, I've gotten to preach more and more every, about once every six weeks or so. Um, is kind of standard, what, six to eight weeks. So yeah, yeah. Um, this last sermon, I, I found out with much less time than that. So it was... Uh, How much time would you say is ideal to I, prepare a sermon for you? Yeah, for me, I mean, it's twofold. One is like, I'm still in that phase where it takes a lot of research and thinking about how to structure. And so I, it, uh, I think Kelly, Kelly probably has a really good rhythm of it, you know, and he's used to that like week in week out kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it takes me still between like 30 and 40 hours of preparation. Wow. That's uh, of study. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and I don't know if that's like everybody, it's just my own process. Mm-hmm. And some of that I would assume is just cause I'm new and some of it's probably just my way of like thinking through a lot of stuff. And I try to put everything on the table and then, kind of slowly whittle away at like, this is what I really think stands out that God's um, speaking to me. And I try to feel like what resonates with me and what, what, what gives me some energy. Um, but yeah, it kind of depends on my weeks too. Cause I've got my like other jobs. So the preaching stuff kind of adds on to it. So yeah. if it's a really busy week, you know, I, I like the three or four weeks of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, that lets me put a couple hours into it most days. And then it, it just kind of stews and uh, I often use the analogy of like a crock pot. I kind of like to throw all that stuff in there and like let it just sit and simmer. And um, I pick up things that I'm reading. And the coolest part about it for me is uh, when I pause and kind of have moments of reflection, I can see God like weaving all of these different things in my life um, that have been going on, whether it's something I saw on TV or a book that's totally unrelated. I'm like, oh, that's a great analogy or that's a really mm-hmm. helpful way to, to describe this thing or um, that's a common human experience we all can feel, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, yeah, I like to have a few weeks to to let all those things kind of work together. Yeah. Um, but this last time it was just a couple weeks. So I felt a little bit under the gun, um, but it was good. It was good to know. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of three or four weeks. Obviously Kelly doesn't, yeah. he's got to do it all the time. So it's definitely a skill I want to grow in and be able yeah. to put that stuff together Sometimes a little bit quicker. Sometimes that's good too, to be under the gun and you just have to make your decision and totally. roll with mm-hmm. it. And yeah. Just yeah. trust that God's going to work through it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. especially with the like recording on Thursdays now for the video, oh, yeah. it's like, all right. Come sooner. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, there's little tweaks and stuff you make after Thursday, but it's not like you can scrap the whole message and be like, I'm doing something totally different. So, right. um, right. yeah, yeah, the deadline definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so so, so yesterday um, we we canceled a service. Yeah, cool. we canceled okay. the third service mm-hmm. um, because of low attendance. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the last few weeks with the weather and how cold it is, like, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, yeah, weather's just like an uphill battle oh in general. I think we're all tired of. Yeah. Lots and lots of snow. I had no idea it snowed this morning. I, I came know, outside and same <laughs> was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. expletive, yep. expletive, expletive. <laughs> yeah, my brother-in-law, he lives out in Boston. He makes this joke of uh, people out there. They're like, where are we supposed to put it all? Like, you know, as if the weather like cares. But I totally feel that right now. Like, where is this snow going to go? What, what do I do with this? It's stacked so high we in my get backyard. get going of how long it's going to stay around. Yeah. When it's this high, oh. like it, it stays for a while. No, yeah. The that's only thing that like makes it go it. away is like rain, you know. And then yeah. <laughs> that's bad too. I know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my backyard's gonna flood. Yep. <laughs> so the fr- just the kidding. First I'm selling two. my house. My backyard doesn't <laughs> flood. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first two services I thought went pretty well. Yeah, um, they were well attended. 
Yeah, they um, were they were actually really full. I mean, we had a ton of signups, and so yeah, trying to like get people arranged in seats and stuff can feel a little bit yeah. challenging, actually. Um, so. It looks like people are a little more just getting more comfortable. Um, I just noticed after the second service, which was our last service, uh, a few people hanging out talking. Yeah. Of course, yep. they had their mask on, but yep. you know, I'm just I don't know. I, I haven't seen a lot of that. Uh, over the last few couple months, so maybe partly because John and Kelly were gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, when the cat's away, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it, uh, yesterday was the, the. I felt like the worship band did well. Um, we had the Sh- the Schusters were up again. That was their second time serving. Yeah, um, I, I a like couple. Up there. Um, mm-hmm. One sings and and then um, the other plays drums, cool. and they both did a great job. Um, we were talking before the podcast about Jen Boynton. She. Um, oh, did she play? Yeah, she yeah. played um, uh-huh. keyboard and sings. And I was thinking, man, she she's just she's a delight. I mean, you know oh, Beth well, yeah. being up uh-huh. on the platform. She yeah. Jen Boynton is a delight because a lot of times she feels like like we're the worship leaders for the church, but a lot of times Jen Boynton is the worship leader for the band mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because she just like every time you look over at her, she is breathing encouragement mm-hmm. and praise yeah. and worship yep. on everything. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's you can totally see when you're sitting out in the congregation watching her, like she's in it. It's not mm-hmm. a performance for her at not all. Not at all. It's, like she could be up there by herself just praising Jesus. And she, I mean, she comes in Wednesdays and Thursdays and practices. Yeah. By herself, and, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I can often... You know, when I'm walking back and forth to my office, I see her, and it's like, it's definitely a worship session going on. It's not yeah. just practice. She's I like know. in it, like it, it's not just going through the motions. Yep. She loves Jesus. She raises our spiritual awareness every time she's up. Yeah. Like it's a really cool gift that she has to yeah. do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that practice honestly feels like it's paid off a ton. I mean, I, I'm not yeah. a musician, oh, but I was like paying attention. Yeah, yeah, I was paying attention yesterday, and mm-hmm. the stuff she was doing on the keys, I was like, this sounds really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, it was just neat to see yeah. um, someone who's so committed. And, and I know it's because, and Matt and I were talking about this, it's not just for Jen to build a skill. She wants to help people experience God and have mm-hmm. this, you yes. know, it's it's her service and, like, loving Jesus yep. that's driving her to, like, I want to be as good at this mm-hmm. as I can. And yeah. it's just, it's neat to see. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. The behind-the-scenes stuff is really cool. You know, we work in here, you get a little bit of a, a, a look at that and some of the, um, you know, con- congregants that come in and work on stuff behind the scenes. And yep. There's just a lot of stuff going on. I'm grateful and thankful for how... How the saints serve like that, man. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really neat part of our congregation in general, I think. Like, there's some days where I think if Beth Moss weren't here, our church might fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, some weeks I'm like looking at the schedule going, wow, she's okay, podcasting and then speaking at this thing and then leading on Sunday. Oh. And then her whole family's done in children's <laughs> ministries. <laughs> I know, I know, right. Either right, yeah. right. Yeah. John and Kelly, they can be gone. Church still runs, man, but. <laughs> All right, well, um, we've got a, a few questions from your sermon yesterday, so why don't we, why don't we get into it? And um, I'll do my best to um, ask, ask some, some other questions to just kind of bring us up to speed on, you know, what you preached about in case yeah. anyone didn't hear it or whatever, um, and kind of what, what these questions are aimed at. So first question, are these parables aimed solely at unbelievers? What I mean is, can you be, quote, lost as a believer? Not in terms of losing your salvation, but in terms of your journey through sanctification. Yeah, I think that's a a good question. Um, it, it's it's a little challenging, um, obviously, to not be able to have the conversation in terms of like understanding. Make I always want to make sure I understand the question correctly. So if I would say lost, not necessarily referring that as like um, 
a theological term as like salvation or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what the question asker is trying to clarify. Um, but I would say my, my gut reaction is like, yeah, that we probably wander a fair amount in our, in our sanctification journey. Um, just thinking about my own life or other people's lives who I've, I've observed. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine it's easy like to when the world's kind of beating you down a little bit to wonder like, is this really it? Is this the, the system? Uh, um, you know, I think a lot about the students that we talk with or like in college, they're like, oh man, I, there was a time where I had to come to own faith for myself. Mm-hmm. There was probably that period where maybe parents would describe it as lost a little bit, um, wandering. It, I, I would probably lean into that like wandering space of like just unsure. Um, but where God's God's working on your heart and you're having to lean in and say like, is this is this something I really believe? Do I want to be committed to to following Jesus and the things He's invited us to? So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I would I would say in general like there's probably periods of lostness and all of us are wrestling with saying yes to Jesus all the time, right? Like that's that's kind yeah. of a a regular thing. I, I feel like daily I have to get up and decide like, yes, today I want to follow Jesus. And there's some days I do that better than others, obviously. And so yeah. um, even in small degrees, there's probably some of that. So this um, <clears throat> on the parable, the first question that there, this person's asking is, is, are these parables aimed solely at unbelievers? Right. And that is a yes or no from you. Um, no. So I would actually say, you know, I, Jesus was talking to Pharisees who considered themselves in the family of God. I'm, right. I probably right. would uh, I would have to think more about like where were they following God. I think they were they were trying to and you know misunderstood if I if I give them the benefit of the doubt. And then I think the the opening lines there of verses one and two it talks about sinners and tax collectors. We often think about that as lost people. That's how I, initially historically I've always read that that parable of like yeah. oh these are people that are really far from God. Um, and I think I was hoping to explain it. it was like the, these were actually people who were trying to follow Jesus. Um, so I, I had previously been like, oh, they were lost outside the family of God. And I think Jesus, his kind of like point to the Pharisees is like, no, these folks are actually in the family of God or they're, they're trying to like follow, follow God. Um, they just look different than you thought they would. Um, and so, so I would actually say those parables are kind of aimed at God uh, running after and caring for people who are, who are responsive to him, right? Like the Holy Spirit is the one who works first and then we respond. And so that's God's chasing after. So that, that timeline or that distinction of like lost versus saved, like, and where that happens, that might be a little bit hard to kind of nail down. But in general, I would say, um, these are people who are responsive or sensitive to God's invitations in their life. And they're, yeah. they're kind of in the early stages maybe of responding to the grace that God's extended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, when I read this, I read it almost a little bit differently, this question of the lost. You're say, you're almost saying, like, yeah, there are times in our lives where we may question our faith or we may question or we daily decide to follow Jesus. When I read this, I was like, well, yeah, I feel like we're all, I saw the term lost as, like, our blindnesses, the things mm-hmm. that we don't see or maybe the little sins that we've kind of gotten entrenched in that maybe we don't yeah. even realize we have. Yeah, or and we that, justify. Right, or we justify. And so I see it as part of our journey through sanctification, that as God convicts us of these blind spots that we have, that that's part of his bringing us closer to that sanctification through that sanctification process. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, these parables are just as much for people who claim Jesus as Savior because we're yeah. all on a constant process and journey right of sanctification and we all have 
biases or blindness, blind spots that yep. God is constantly yep. revealing to us. Yeah. So that was kind of how I read it, just a little differently. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, that's that's why uh, I think small groups is such a big thing. That's, mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the reason I'm so passionate about it, is people help us see those blind spots. When we're, when we're mm-hmm. real with people, you know, right. obviously, even in my prayer that I opened up with, I asked that, or I, I prayed that God would help us to be honest with ourselves and with our mm-hmm. peers, because I just think yeah. there's... A, Blind spots are a thing, you know, um, and we need those people in our lives who kind of call us out and say, like, mm-hmm. hey, that's a sin you've probably justified for a little too long <laughs> in your yeah. life. That's one of the things I actually love about your preaching, Grant, is I feel like you're really transparent and very relatable. Mm, and you're very... Dude, TMI, TMI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're very quick to be like... Your wife's in the back going... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but you're quick to admit your... You're, failings too. Yeah. Like you're quick to say, Hey, actually I realized this was something I was struggling with. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. One of, one of the ways I think about this, as far as the, we talk about sanctification a lot on the, on the podcast and, um, one of the, th- I mean, I, of course we're lost. Of course we get lost on our way. Yeah. Like I, I um, hopefully the distance that we wander is less and less. Right. Yeah. yeah. The more mature we get in, yeah. in our faith. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my gosh, yeah, I mean, even, yeah, all, all of us, right? Like, all of us, mm-hmm. we go through uh, seasons yep. of where we feel distant, and, and it's, you know, it's usually our fault. It's usually yeah. our doing. Right, we right. feel like God's distant, and I then know. we see that he was with us the Maybe. whole... Right, but when you examine, well, what have I been doing for the last... If you right. get a real, or mm-hmm. it, to your point, you bring somebody else in on that conversation, yep. well, what have you yep. been doing? Well, I've been watching this, I've been not reading this, I've mm-hmm. been, I haven't really been praying much lately, like, yeah. a lot, not every time. There's sometimes where I do think that sometimes God feels distant, but you're you're still being faithful, and, you know... Yeah, totally. you got to mm-hmm. wrestle with that, but I think most of the time, at least in my personal experience, most of the time, like, well, yeah. I'm not really doing a whole lot to be near God right now. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know? Yep. Yeah. So there was a time in my life I remember feeling like I needed to make the conscious choice. I felt like, where's God? Are my prayers just hitting the ceiling kind of a place? And in that moment, I felt like God was like, now you make the choice. And I made that constant, um, uh, I made the conscious choice to pray and to read my Bible. And it it still was a while before that fog lifted, yeah. but then in hindsight, I, totally know what I saw about. what God was doing. Yep. And yep. even though I felt like I'm doing all the right things here and God still feels distant, I there was a point where it kind of everything cleared and I was able to look back and be like, wow, God was really faithful during that time. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I wrote this quote on my whiteboard in my office right around that uh, when I even when I first started and it uh it said like just work the farm and someone um had told me this idea of like a farmer doesn't just go out and decide to pick crops right like Mm -hmm. there's this whole long process and and prayer and reading scripture studying scripture Mm -hmm. for me were those two things of uh we just put in work and it can feel like wait what's the point of this Mm -hmm. and but it's totally that of like looking months back, like, oh, look at the things God was right. cultivating in me. Mm-hmm. And there's this participation and this mutual kind of back and forth. But if we don't show up in some ways, we, we just kind of limit God's ability to, right. you know, what he yeah. can do in our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go. So the next question sort of piggybacks off of what we were talking about from the first one. The next question reads, I haven't read the parables you shared in that way before. Uh, people maybe newer to faith who were judged to still be outsiders. How did you decide to interpret the passage that way? Yeah. Um, I like these kinds of questions cause it's like, how does the sausage get made a little bit? Um, and, and I enjoy that conversation of why do we land on certain interpretations and, and all of the, um, 
all that goes into it. But I actually would be curious because because that was a newer reading for me, truthfully. Um, but Matt, Matt how, how have you guys like interpreted or understood those passages before when you've read them? I've always taken it to mean um, they were lost. Okay. Like lost in the... Uh, yeah, like anti-God. Yeah, like they yeah. just, they have not been called yet. Sure. Um, you know, of course, um, I have more of a Calvinistic lens when I'm reading these things. Sure, sure. And so I, re- I hear the, read this parable and I'm like, yes, like this sheep was completely lost, could not get back on his own. Mm. God takes the initiative. God goes out. God not only brings him back, but puts him on his shoulders. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like God does a hundred percent of the work. So I, that's my default. Yeah. So I tend to see those things more in, in the scriptures. But, um, as we're just talking through this, um, I don't like, I don't have any issue with it also me, with it meaning both or, yeah. or if I came to the conclusion, like, no, I think they actually are talking about that this person has already been called and saved mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And, and now they're wondering and they're going back to get them. Like, yeah. I could totally see that too. Yeah. Um, because you know, the, the people that we're talking about here were with Jesus. Yep. So they had, they have all had already responded at some level yeah. to being around him. And you got to wonder about that, right? Like, I bet they were nervous. You'd mm. think, I mean, just because they've been had been outcasted and right. labeled, you know, these things, and maybe they were, yeah. maybe they weren't. Like yeah. we always assume that tax collectors were were dirty people, right? That they're, you know, you never hear anybody say, well, maybe there was one or two good ones. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But that was their stigma, and so now this Messiah is coming, you know, like this the King of Israel, and you're like, wow. Can you, I mean, try to put yourself in that position. Yeah. yeah they, one one commentator I read that was really interesting. He he was saying. You know, if you consider these people probably outsiders in society, or at least on the fringes of like the in group who are like kind of controlling the narrative or, or however things are generally working culturally, um, likely what they were hearing from Jesus was like, hey, you have a place here. And, and people who didn't feel like they had any sort of place or meaning um, that life was just kind of like, wake up, work, eat, go to bed and repeat, you know, um, that Jesus offered something so much more substantive for them yeah. um, that that's probably why, in part, why those people kind of flocked to Jesus and were willing to endure basically what I said about chapter 14, these like limitless demands that Jesus offers. He never shies away from saying like, hey, there's a high bar to being a kingdom citizen. Yeah. Um, and and people who seeming like, oh, maybe their life wouldn't want that, um, but they st- still keep following him. And yeah. so, yeah, it, it's really interesting though. Yeah. Like they must have been finding some kind of acceptance and meaning and something significant there to say like, I'll stick around this guy, even though he's saying some stuff yeah. that challenges my, the whole of my life. Yeah. You know, these two parables, so the next parable uh, in the next few verses is uh, prodigal son. Yeah. Right. And so I have historically just had an issue with that. Like mm. the, the older son and, mm-hmm. and I, I read it and I'm like, gosh, you know, he kind of has a point here. Like, totally. <laughs> the older son has been there the whole time. Um, for me, it's easier to read both of these parables first and then yep. the next one, which I'm sure is going to be, you know, next week we'll talk about the next week podcast. Yep. But um, <clears throat> it helps me think about it like, man, those 99 sheep, like they were 100% cared for, 100% yep. safe. They were in the green pastures. They, yep. were, they were, they had everything they needed. Like they were under God's care, provision, safety, all of that. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. just... Yeah, no, those, uh, those th- the three parables. So it's, it's hard to say, like when we look back, you know, commentators are kind of divided. Like, did Jesus say these three parables right in a row as Luke right. relays it? Because mm-hmm. Luke also has a motive. It's not like Luke was just like 
standing back recording, you know, like a news or journalist. It's yeah, not right. necessarily that there that he has some intent there. And we, we believe like as the Holy Spirit speaks to Luke and he's writing to the original audience. And so it's trying to think like, okay, what was Luke's goal in sharing yes. this? Um, likely Jesus did tell these stories probably a couple times because we see them in other mm-hmm. gospels as well with some different, um, different facts or characters involved. Um, but most commentators say like, they were included in this way because there's a cumulative effect. It's like a building thing, just like you were saying. It's much easier to like think about the prodigal when it's like, oh, hey, you, you're one of the 99. You you maybe got it already, and maybe you're misunderstanding, um, but that's an easier pill to swallow to, to some degree. Um, and you also feel a little bit more convicted, like, oh, yeah, um, yeah. than if you just read them one off. So Totally. And, um, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but, you know, with the prodigal son, it's like, you know, the older son's like, where's my party? Like, come mm-hmm. on. And it's like, yeah. dude, if you knew what the other son had been living in, relatively speaking, you've been in a constant party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You know it's what true. I mean? Like, it's true. Like, maybe not with the pomp and circumstance, but, like, you've had, you've been under the party. Yep. The care, the love, the, like, you you were receiving it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I feel I... <laughs> Maybe because I grew up in the church, but often when my memory of these parables is it's flipped on the other side of the coin where it's like a comforting to the 99 that were left, sort mm. of like the ones that are grumbling. Well, wh- how, how come he left us or how where's my party kind of a thing where sometimes I've heard preachers speaking to that more sure. than the. But he went and found this one that was lost, you yeah. know, Yeah. though I did. um I was in a play when I was little, which, you know, I did a lot of plays. That was all about the sheep. <laughs> and I was the lost sheep. Were you the lost sheep? Oh, I was grimy. This explains so much. I was grimy, the lost sheep. <laughs> but it was, it, the whole play was the, the other sheep complaining about mm. the shepherd who had left them. Wow. But then when he comes back and he, they kind of all get to see it. Like, oh, he, that's why. Oh, now I understand it. Yeah. You know, so coming yeah. to that understanding yeah. of like, you already had this, this one though. Look what, like, look what I've accomplished. Not what I've accomplished, but like, I got this one, yeah. and that's so wonderful. And then they all celebrate together. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So even even in kind of the way that I like landed on this, um, was thinking, you know, I kept asking the question, like, well, why are the Pharisees so upset here? You know, like if if these people are trying to follow Jesus, like I, I don't think I could ask probably anyone in our congregation be like, hey, if someone came to faith, we would all celebrate. Yeah. We'd be like, yep, totally. Um, so why, why were the Pharisees upset? And realizing like they they just didn't think these people had made that decision. Mm. But if we look at Jesus' actions previously, I, I kind of think he was saying like, we're in the celebration mode. I'm eating dinner with these people. I'm hanging out with them because like they, they were lost and I've rescued them. I've brought them in. You're, you're thinking they're still like far off, mm-hmm. um, but they're actually apart. Like stop, you know, whatever the boxes are. And that's kind of where I got the, the whole idea of like we predetermine and we build these tribes of like, oh, that person can't be in or they're not yeah. there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we make these judgments about like, well, once they meet these qualifications, that means there's like an expression of grace in their life. Uh, and just feel like, man, I, I don't know if... Um, if I'm qualified to do that, I probably make that judgment wrong. But I do know that Jesus spent time around people who were responsive to him, right? Mm-hmm. And the people yeah. that didn't seem to respond, he, he says like, okay, you didn't listen to my message. And he goes on, he even tells the disciples, I think it's in Matthew, maybe in Matthew 10. Yeah. He says, shake the dust off your feet when they don't want to hear the message as you've tried to communicate grace and those kinds of things. Um, you can move on to the next city. And so I, I think Jesus, I mean, he, he certainly has a, a posture of like anyone who's interested and I yeah. feel like he goes to great lengths, but um, 
yeah, he spends time around people who are who want to follow after him. And so if this crowd is like around him and he continues to spend time there, it must be because they were responding to him. Yeah. And the Pharisees or the, the religious elite, they had just misunderstood what this life of following God mm-hmm. was going to look like. Yeah. You, know, you bring up an interesting, interesting point when you're like, gosh, think about here at GBC. Anyone walks through those doors and comes to faith. We are like yeah. celebrating. Yeah. But uh, and maybe pump the brakes a little bit. Like, I mean, can you guys think of some people that we would be like, yes, you, you would think that we would be sell, you know, but can you think about a person or people who would come in and come to faith? And initially we, we would probably be like, uh, what are they doing here? Oh, totally. I, I mean, mean, right. Like, yeah, I don't want to speak for other people, but I know like that. And it was honestly part of the thing, you know, where I was saying like, I've got to repent myself. There's definitely stuff where I'd be like, I would put conditions. Like they say they're following Jesus, but look, look at these other parts of their life you know, is that, is that real? Is it authentic? You know, I would like probably fill some of that stuff in of saying like, oh, it needs to look more like this mm-hmm. right. and have some question marks and just feeling kind of like, I, I think the desire is good of like, hey, we want people to authentically like live their best life, you know, be responsive to God's commands. And, and that's great. We're all supposed to grow as being disciples to look more and more like Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, uh, unfortunately, it's stuff where it'd be like, Oh, is that real? I I don't know. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right on that map. Um, yeah, I mean that's why we got. It. And I, I'm glad you talked about how far God's grace extends. Yeah, you know, you talked a little bit about that, and that's just a good reminder for us that, man, there's because, and I think sometimes in our deepest darkest places in our minds, sometimes we maybe even don't want someone to come, like yep. you know, who, yep. who maybe they've just done something egregious or they're just so far away from what we consider is right and normative and you know full of justice and you know like yeah and then we see this person we're like we just don't even want them and like yeah you know yeah we probably wouldn't admit that out loud but there's something in our heart that's like uh, i'd be grumbling about it at best right 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 right, which that that's where i felt like i can identify with the pharisees i don't really like you know reading Mm -hmm. myself as a pharisee but (laughs) um but yeah it's easy once you're probably like, let's say, inside the camp yeah. to be like, mm-hmm. well, I made it and I figured it out and yeah. start to assume like, well, I, we I did, did the right something. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy <laughs> yeah. to like let your mind wander there and realize like right. we're all in need of that level of grace. That's and, one of the um, one of the worship songs we sing. I love the line he wrote and it's clearly intentional, but it's in My Victory, which the chorus is uh, a cross meant to kill is my victory or something oh, yeah. to that fact. So yep. it's the song is called My Victory. It sounds like it's all about me, but it's about Jesus and the cross, right? Yeah. But the first line is, you came uh, for criminals and every Pharisee. Mm. It's like, mm. yep. that's a tough line to sing and mean yeah. when we are so conditioned as Christians to read the Bible and we see these Pharisees in every, almost every sense is negative and yep. someone who's rejecting Jesus and, you know, so yep. anyway. And yeah. we don't want to believe that we have... Some part of us and is we like don't, Pharisee. Exactly. Right, 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 right. right <laughs> but that's why I love, even in the quote it, that you opened with here, that like it's it's first the redemption part, and then God's going to work in our lives. So, you know, as we reorient our lives around following Jesus, that's mm-hmm. where we're going to see the real change. So there's a marked moment. So yeah. someone can walk in the doors and say, I believe. I'm, And, and now God's going to really start to do some great work. Because he's been working all along yeah, to totally. get to that moment. Yep. And now he's going to start to do some real yeah reformative work. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess to your point, this was kind of my closing. I'm just like running through my whole sermon here basically. <laughs> but as I ended, you know, thinking about like, 
my own challenge of that, the, the question you posed, like, well, w- would I really celebrate anybody who walked through the doors? And I genuinely want to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thinking, like, uh, what would that take? How would I get there? And it, it really was, like, well, I'm not skeptical of the people who I right. care about. Yeah. You know, the family members who are far from God, I love them deeply. And anytime they call me up to ask a question, I'm like, oh, yes, maybe this is the moment. Like mm-hmm. every step they take feels like, mm-hmm. all right, God's working here. And yeah. I, I don't know. And God seems way more patient than I would ever be. His timeline yeah. just feels so different. I'm, you know, probably more in a rush than he is sometimes. Um, but that would be my hope is like when that person comes in to say, like, let me just get to know him and like start to care about them. Mm-hmm. And then I get to see. And you start to understand, like, oh, this makes sense why they have some of these struggles or these right. issues or the sins yeah. in their life. Mm-hmm. Like, you, not to justify it, but like, I, I get it. And you, the patience just kind of grows, and you're, you're rooting for them versus like, dude, you really got to change your right. life, step it up, kind of deal. Yeah, I like that shift in mindset that you're rooting for them rather than like, come on, why aren't they getting this? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, let's go to the last question. And actually, this is um, a, a similar question that was asked a couple weeks ago, although, but Grant wasn't here, so we should still uh, ask it and, and kind of hear what you, your thoughts on it. Um, so the, the final question is, I've gotten discouraged at trying to grow and influence and not really seeing people's lives change. Can you talk about that a little? Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like that's really relatable to a lot of people. Um, Obviously, like, I think most of us know evangelism matters and we want to do it. And it sometimes if we can get over the like, oh, this might feel awkward. Um, the next kind of like hump of that whole battle is uh, is like, well, I don't see any progress, you know. Um, I, for me, it's just like a I care about these people. And it's almost that that like um, that how much more if I care about them, how much more does God care about them? Uh, if I'm patient, I know God's more patient and I can trust them to God. But it's kind of this constant, like, God, I, I'll just give them to you. So there's a, a lot of, honestly, it, maybe it sounds like a cop-out answer, but a lot of prayer for me of like, all right, God, yeah. um, I, I want to see you work in their life. I want to see them come to faith and and know you in a meaningful way. Um, but I'll trust you in the in the timing and, and just trying to say, like, let my... my uh, time scale be a lot longer than than I hoped mm-hmm. and I actually I guess there's a someone who came to a, uh, my college and did a chapel service and he he used the analogy of a set of dominoes and he was like you're probably just one domino in the stack mm-hmm. and the first domino often doesn't get to see the last domino fall and you have no idea where you're at right. Um, right. but you you just have to be faithful with these people who cross your path and loving and caring about them. So I try to remind myself of that, of like, I'm just playing my part as the domino and I can mm-hmm. trust. That's a great, mm-hmm. that's a great point. Cause God, in my experience with that, like, and in my own personal experience, like God rarely, and I'm using quotation marks with my hands here, attacks with one person. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. we say this a lot. We say, you know, don't make the person a project, make, you know, yeah. try to make it an authentic relationship. Right. Yeah. yeah. But also in the, with the project, uh, verbiage, like you're not the only one working mm-hmm. on this person. Right. Number one, God is probably working on this yeah. person. Uh, and it's probably you and probably six other people. Yep. Like that you maybe don't even know about. And maybe it happened years before too. It, you exactly. Know? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 So. Yeah, it's there's freedom in it. I know I've said things like this on the podcast before, but we don't. It's not our responsibility. We don't have to bear that burden. And and in some ways, it feels like a lack of trust in God that He's He's got it. It's yeah. Him. The, he's the one that's doing the work, and yeah. it's His time timing. So just letting the relationship be what it is. Yeah. It, when you're following Christ, that's going to come out in everything that you do, yeah. and you're going to have that influence there. And then just let God do His work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the thing that Jesus asks us to do is like stay committed to authentically loving this person. Mm-hmm. That That's what I'm responsible for. And I, I cannot yeah. manufacture the other parts. And when I try to, it just goes horribly wrong. You or know? feels discouraging. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but I know I can look at Jesus and be like... I, I loved them with everything I yeah. could. Mm-hmm. And I think it's possible to love them authentically and have a relationship with them. And then maybe somewhere in your mind on in the, on the back burner, you have an idea of their progression. Sure. But like, don't have a chart at home with right. the progression. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like mm-hmm. yep. you kind of want to kind of have an awareness of it so that you know what to, what might be smart to talk about next mm-hmm. yeah. or not talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. You yeah. know, right. Like I've, I've often had that issue with a, few people that have kind of been walking through and mm-hmm. and like I'd want to I want to talk about some steps that are like 10 steps ahead because to yeah. me they're really interesting right yeah. and I'm thinking wow there's probably eight or nine or however many steps before yeah. we get there mm-hmm. that this person really needs to walk through so yeah you slow your roll and you know yeah. have an awareness of where they are but but yeah don't keep a chart up on your wall mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah all right well um man I think that's that's about it yeah right Grant, yeah. thanks for thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, and thanks guys. for preaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it was uh, fun. Love having you on. Uh, well, that's all the questions we have for today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels: answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general cr- questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. prophecy.